everybody. It's Monday, August 22nd, and that means it's time for another episode of Nonprofit Conversations. I'm your host, Cecilia Sup. I'm the principal and founder of Rogue Tulips Consulting. We're continuing our 2022 trend of first-time guests, and this is an exciting and important topic. CAE motivations. Why do people earn it? Why do they keep it? And why is it important? So this week, our guest, Amy Farmer, EDD, is going to discuss her doctoral dissertation and what she learned from researching why people get the CAE designation and keep it. But before we move into our topic, I would like to say good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our global audience, wherever you may be, and thank you for joining us. We're also excited because this episode is airing during the ASAE Annual Meeting of 2022, which is the first in-person conference of ASAE since 2019. So we are really looking forward to celebrating all the new CAEs. Congratulations, everyone who has passed the exam in 2020-2021 and May 2022. So I am going to hand it over to Amy, and I'm going to ask Amy to introduce herself and tell our audience a little about herself. Thanks, Amy, for joining us, and welcome. Thank you, Cecilia. I'm excited to be a part of this conversation. I think it's very timely with the annual meeting, as well as the celebration of the most recent CAEs. As you said, um, I am a recent graduate of the University of Missouri's Educational Leadership and Policy Analysis Program. And I currently work for the AAVSB, which is the American Association of Veterinary State Boards, as their Director of Licensed Mobility. But I haven't always been in the association world. Prior to being in the association world, I was actually a school administrator, both the elementary and high school levels. And I did that for 12 years before I stumbled into the nonprofit or association world, as they say. I think it's um, from conversations that I've had, it's, it's pretty common to stumble into. And when you speak with other, with other peers in this world, that, it is, that it's common to not have gone directly into association work, but to kind of find your way into it. And that's what I did uh, six years ago. What I did discover quickly in the association and nonprofit world is that it was going to be the career path for me. It was my home. I loved the idea of being able to, to serve and give back. However, unlike education, I wasn't sure how to advance in it. In the education world, just like our traditional educational system, it's very laid out. It's very next step. You start out with your bachelor's, you'll have your master's, you may or may not get your specialist degree and then go on to your doctorate. I couldn't quite find that path in the association world. Um, I'm someone who likes to just jump in if mm -hmm. there is something I don't know about. So I did that. I joined our local um, executive association executive organization, the Kansas City Society of Association Executives, so uh, KCSAE. And I became involved in um, anything, just soaking it up, what I could do to learn more about the nonprofit world. And in those conversations, I kept hearing about the CAE. I kept, I was being told, this is where, this is what you need to advance. This is what you need to grow. And I, I struggled to, to find a lot of information out about that. When I, when I did a Google search, which is how I came to know of you was I learned about resources. I learned about the 501c league. I 
I did, of course, see the CAE mentioned on the on the ASAE website. So I knew what it was, but I couldn't tell I couldn't tell what purpose it was supposed to serve for me from the descriptions of what it was. It was a tool or a supplement to a lifelong learner. And it kind of contradicted what I was hearing in my conversations. And yet I saw different organizations, different um, people such as yourself, that consultants, um, group leaders that provided the type of training that you would need to pass this exam. And I, I just thought there was a little bit of contradiction to that. So I wanted to, I wanted to learn more about it. If I was going to learn more about it, I needed to complete my degree. I needed to do some research. So I thought this was an excellent opportunity to combine a big hoop I needed to jump through <laughs> with my, with my schoolwork and to learn and figure this out for myself. And hopefully what I really wanted to do was create a baseline, create something, a conversation starter in this organization, in this association world. How can we, how can we put some clarity? How can we clarify the CAE, what it is and what it's, what it's supposed to do for us? What is the importance or substance of such a, a prestigious credential? And wow, and that is a lot of background. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's no, that's great because uh, I think you are just scratching the surface on this designation. Uh, it's kind of you to mention that you found the five hundred one C league on Google. That always uh, makes me feel good because uh, we we do help. We do try to promote the CAE and help people uh, earn it. Uh, and one of the things that we like to promote is it's not the CAE that's important. Is what you do after you earn the CAE. The exam is really just the beginning of your journey. And there are some contradictions. And you you gave us a lot of background just now, Amy. So mm -hmm. can you pull out the part about contradiction. What contradiction did you see? I mainly that the advertisement and the promotion that I was able to find was that it was that it was a tool for that it was a tool for education, but that it was aimed at the something or the advancement of a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. And that's, it was a tool for them. It was something that they could use to continue to grow their, um, to grow their knowledge. What I have found though, was through the research was, well, just if I could take a step back and just say what the basis of my research was, is I wanted to do a nationwide study. I hadn't been able to find one where across the country, there were, there was the same question or the same research being asked um, about, about the motivations. There were ones that were regional, there were California-based ones or specific demographics, but mine was a little different in that it was across the nation. And I specifically asked why they wanted to take, why they wanted to choose to sit for this exam. And I broke that down into race, gender, and career stage to see if there was a difference there. Because when I was taking it, when I plan to sit for the CAE, I will be doing it in a later career stage. It's not the first thing I'm doing in the beginning of my career since, as I said, I'd, I'd come upon the association world a little later. Mm -hmm. um, what I found out was that regardless of race, gender, career stage, the number one reason they were taking it was for uh, career advancement. That was the number one, 
um, reason for taking it. So, and then a, a close second was for decreasing their, their self-imposed, that's not a great word at all. Mm-hmm. Well, but let's, let's build on that. Uh, so what's the better word? So that just the better word is to decrease, decreasing their knowledge gap. So they were wanting to learn more about associations and association management, um, meaning they wanted to learn what it was they didn't know. And that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. So that CAE really, they were looking for it to, to fill that gap. And in conversations that you and I have had, this is about promoting the entire profession and taking it to taking it to the new le- to the next level so that people aren't stumbling into it so that they're aware of it putting some um some pride into it into this work and making an, an actual career choice earlier on right and you know it's funny because you used the phrase earlier uh, i was trying not to chuckle uh stumbled <laughs> into the nonprofit management profession which i think we all do uh, stumble into it except for a few people who happened to be the children of people who were in the profession already and they know about it. But none of us said when we were little kids, when I grow up, I want to be an association executive. No, we all wanted to be, you know, supermodels or rich or FBI agents or firemen or police officers, you know, and none of us sit around going, I want to run a nonprofit. Uh, although I, I think we probably had a motivation to help people when we were young, but again, we didn't know about this profession. I don't recall ever seeing anything about nonprofit management at any career fair that I ever attended. So that is a really good thing to point out that we don't really do that. Uh, we don't really promote our profession as a profession. Uh, there's a lot of attitude out there. This is completely anecdotal. Uh, from my many years of experience, but there's a lot of attitude out there that, well, anyone can run a nonprofit. Anyone can do this. Uh, I've heard people make comments like, well, when I retire, I'll just go work at a nonprofit. To which I say, well, you do know that's a real job, right? And then they kind of go, oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, of course. And I'll say, well, perhaps you'd be happier volunteering. (laughs) Because we really have got to, and this is why you're research, Amy, is so important because it is just scratching the surface because your research found people do it because they want to advance their career and they want to know what they don't know. Where's my knowledge gap? How can I fill that in and keep building on that? And yet it's marketed as for lifelong learners, but then you also have people who ask, well, am I going to get more money if I get my CAE? And it's like, well, you might, it depends on where you work, though, and what is their commitment to the CAE program. Now, you've mentioned, Amy, where you work, there are a lot of CAEs that you work with. So there's a lot of support at your group, right? There is. There is. Our executive director, our um, deputy director, our senior director, um, and then our marketing manager all have their CAEs. But it starts at the top. Our executive director is very supportive of it. He's highly involved in just leadership of just any leadership opportunity in either ASAE or even locally in our organizations. So it's highly supported. However, when I look at some job descriptions, the CAE is not even a preferred recommendation. You know, there's a big difference of whether you're in the trade association or what or not and who so I guess, you know, some of that conflict is, is why in some job descriptions is it, does it indicate CAE preferred? 
and others don't even mention it. I think there's um, that leads to some confusion and some conflict. Oh, I, I think definitely, because first of all, you mentioned uh, a lot of people who earn the CAE are not early in their career. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the reasons for that is because you have to work in an association or other type of nonprofit for a minimum of five years. Exactly. Before you can even take the exam. And if you're a consultant, you have to still have that five years of experience working. I, I can't remember the exact percentage. I'm not going to claim to know, but you know, mm-hmm. a bulk of, or a majority of your clients must be nonprofit clients or all of them must be nonprofit clients. Like my consulting company, I work only with nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Uh, other companies do as well. So you're able to sit and take the exam. And, and, and that's another thing regarding career arc kind of related to what you said about people saying, I want to advance my career. I want to, I want to make sure I have all the knowledge I need to be a good association executive and not only do my job well, but maybe advance in the future and also hopefully mentor and help others by modeling that commitment and that professional, uh, that professional uh, expertise to, to show that to people that it is a real profession. We, we are not, we are not worker bees as I hear some board members use that term. Absolutely. You know, we're not worker bees. We don't have a lot of time on our hands. Actually, the opposite is usually true. You know, you have to use everything you know in order to be successful. But I think it relates back to career arc because they didn't allow consultants to take the CAE exam until 2015. And so I, of course, took it the very first chance I got because the rules kept changing for the 10 years before that, you know, how long right, right. Be between jobs, et cetera, things like that. So I did it. But the thing is, after I got it, I became a chief staff executive. <laughs> and then that, you know, I did that for about 18 months. And then, you know, that ended. And then I went back to consulting after looking around for a job for a while. And I ended up going back to consulting, still had my CAE, still same, the same person, still could be a chief staff executive. Uh, could still do a lot of things within our profession. Uh, and by the way, for those of you out there who still use this term, consulting is not the dark side. It's, it's just <laughs> the other side of the street. You might cross right. back later in the future. Uh, so, but seriously, it, it's really a mark of commitment and dedication to our profession. And while I, I admire the lifelong learner mm-hmm. attitude, as you and I were talking before, I was a lifelong learner before I had the CAE. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you don't, you don't need it uh, to, to be a lifelong learner. Uh, what I would like to see, what my long-term goal is for our designation is that more and more people earn it, more and more people respect it, and more and more people understand the importance of it. Because I don't know if you came across this in your research, because I know you did uh, a statistical study. I did. But the joke about uh, nobody knows what we do. It's it's clear. It's it's absolutely clear. And you know when you mentioned um, it is it is true. And what they when you mentioned that as a consultant you weren't initially eligible to sit for it. Mm-hmm. That's a barrier. And why are we creating these barriers? for our, I understand there has to be eligibility and you need some sort of background, but why do we want to continue to create barriers in a, in a world that's already under-recognized? So yes. let's go ahead and let's open it up. Let's make it easier. 
let's bring in the knowledge. We all know multiple heads are better than one. So mm-hmm. why, why stifle that? Why stifle that? Right. And, you know, and I agree. And I, and I think it's so interesting that across demographics, you found similar motivations. Mm-hmm. And so we can build on what we have in common. Uh, so often in the world, we're divisive, or you're not like me, or you're different from me, or, you know, the, the, wh- why don't we build on our commonality? We all have the goal of being better, uh, learning more, expanding our knowledge, understanding our environment better. And like you said, you know, two heads are better than one. So, you know, 1200 heads hopefully are even better. Uh, so if we continue in that vein of making sure everybody feels welcome, making sure everybody has this opportunity, uh, you know, and, and I'll, I'll just come out and say it. I was not uh, happy when the city commission said that uh, people from a trade association, association industry could sit for the exam after only having their job at their trade association for a year. Ah. And I will, I will say that publicly. Uh, I didn't think that was right because everybody else needs to have five years. And just because you worked in that industry, let's say you worked in the auto industry or the mm-hmm. construction industry or whatever industry it is, it doesn't mean you know how to run a nonprofit organization. And I have always publicly stated my opinion on that because I used to work at an association for ear, nose and throat doctors. And I used to tell them, you wouldn't ask me to do ear surgery. I wouldn't ask you to run an association. They're two different business models. And that's as we're getting, oh gosh, you know, we're, we're getting close to the end of our episode already because we, we were both <laughs> passionate and interested in this topic. But did you come across any information like that? Or, or was that a, a question you might pursue in the future about that? Like trying to, what are the what are the business practices that identify us as a separate business management specialty? I'm not sure that, that I could say that there was something that, that identified us as a different, as a different uh, business entity or model. Um, what I would say that I did identify is use this as a tool, mm-hmm. use this as a tool for for helping grow maybe those underrepresented populations, those people that um, people of color, women, those those people that need to that need that opportunity, just something, put them on level playing field. You know, when I when I first got into these conversations and I was meeting executive directors and C-suite people in there, they were all white males, and there are of course, of course. There are, there are women, there always are those strong women, but that if they were to, to take that time off to raise a family, to take that time away, it's going to cut into their five years, which makes them even a little farther along in their career. And that might not be the time then. They might think that the opportunity is gone. The CAE and studying for that, learning and gaining that knowledge, it's going to, it's going to help make up some of that time. It's going to it's going to fill in that that gap in knowledge that may or may not be there and allow people like myself to mm-hmm. go ahead and grow later in my career, whether I've stumbled onto it after 10 years doing something else or or come into it early in my career and wait the five wait the five years to gain the knowledge, which I do think it's important. I wouldn't want to see someone take it as soon as they graduated. They need some of that background and some of that context. But um, you know, let it, let it be a tool, use it to be a tool, fill in the knowledge gaps and 
bring some prestige and increased prestige to our to our profession. Well said. I think that's a good note to close this conversation on. Uh, I hope you'll come back in the future and absolutely continue this conversation on the CAE. I know you're starting your own CAE journey. I am. Uh, to earn it. So uh, congratulations on that. And I encourage everyone like Amy, who is in the process of studying and preparing to earn that designation to consider yourself a CAE candidate because you are in the process and you are a candidate for this designation. So don't minimize this effort and this commitment you've made. Uh, so recognize yourself uh, with that. So Amy, at the end of our episodes, we always like to ask our guest, what is the one thought you'd like the audience to take away today? And if they want to follow up with you about your research, like maybe they'd like to get, get a copy of it. Uh, how can they get happy. with you? Sure. Um, I guess my takeaway is that this is a baseline and I hope that someone else will use it to, to take it to that next step. You know, a great, a great idea would be, we know that we know that people took it to be motivated for career advancement. Did they reach their goals? Did they take it? Did they pass it? Did they put it on a shelf and forget about it? Just mark it as a to-do list or did they, did they grow? Did they advance their career as they had hoped so? So I hope it's a, a springboard for continued conversations. If you'd like to see or receive a copy of it, happy to provide it. You can reach me. My email is amy94 at me.com. So shoot me an email. You can find me on LinkedIn. Happy to connect there as well. And happy to provide you with a copy of it. Great. Well, thank you. It's very well written. Uh, as, and the summary gives you all the highlights as well. Uh, it's very uh, in-depth. I'll just give everybody a heads up. It's a 170-page report in full. So Amy did a great job on that. So thank you for contributing that to the profession, Amy. Absolutely. Thank you, Cecilia. I appreciate this opportunity. Well, and we have to go rogue for now, but we'll be back next time with another exciting episode of Nonprofit Conversations. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips and how we can help your organization bloom outside the box, check us out online at roguetulips.com. If you're interested and inspired by Amy's research to pursue the CAE for yourself, or you already have the CAE and you'd like to get some credits for renewal, check out our education program, the 501C League. We have study groups and courses launching the week of August 29th. You can check out the league at the 501Cleague.net. Thanks again, everybody. And on behalf of Amy and myself, see you next time.